Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. Hi there, welcome to another episode of the Restless Midlifer, and I am over the moon to have a bonus episode, an interview, a, a Restless Midlife experience and story um, from somebody who's been in my ear for, I was trying to work it out, it must be over 10 years, 14 years plus. You are the host. <laughs> Uh, of the Mac Power users, one of my mainstays in the podcast field, and you, Katie, and now Stephen have been, well, to be fair, family members almost <laughs> over the years. And um, what I do promise listeners is all I will to probably talk a little bit about tech, as in how it's possibly helped in the journey. We're not going to geek out. I certainly could. Got a fellow Star Wars fan here uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> excuse me, we've got. One of the things that's always, as well as the content of the podcast, is the journeys that you, you well, you're all on over that time, and the the journey in particular that you went on. Two kind of key transitions. They didn't mirror, but they were ahead of some key transitions for me for leaving the police and going it alone, and then now transitioning a different business, that kind of thing. So I really wanted to just pick your brains and selfishly speak to you. <laughs> so, so hi, do you want to say hi to everybody? It's David Sparks. Hi, uh, hi everybody. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, David. So nice to meet you. Yeah, it's great. And um, anyway, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself so that we can sort of start to flesh it out and we'll get the conversation going? Yeah, sure. So I guess uh, I'm 54 years old. That puts me in the midlifer uh, uh, demographic. <laughs> you know, um, I've, uh, I was a, um, I'm from Southern California. Uh, I've been a lifelong uh, nerd, so that that's been a thing underlying. But I've also uh, had various careers. I was an attorney uh, for almost thirty years, and recently left that as I am now a full time. I like to think of myself as a teacher. I guess you could call me a content creator. I do podcasts and I make courses and do a bunch of stuff online for people. And uh, uh, I'm on this adventure, so I'm having a great time. Yeah, yeah, and I love, and I also love the, the your other podcasts, uh, automators in particular with Rosemary. Um, yeah, it's a great one to, to your country, your country woman. Yeah. yeah, to properly geek out. So I love that. I love that as well. The 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 input and the stories and the experiences. It's kind of like over the years that, like I said, it has been an important part of encouragement and and motivation really for me as well in my own journey so just to we'll keep, keep people in a in sort of uh suspense a bit do you want to you talked about your legal career do you want to talk through a little bit of that and then how you started to make your i guess your first transition yeah you know this was i have lived very much an accidental life uh, and you know um at some point a few years ago there was an australian podcast that did a show on me where they broke down because my alter ego for the last 15 or so years has been this guy, Max Sparky. And I started going online and writing articles and things about how to get more out of your Apple technology because it was of interest to me. And um, it really was a, a lark. It was something I did because I just felt like I had to get it out of my system more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I never intended to really turn it into a career. It just kind of happened. And, you know, the writing led to me doing some podcast stuff and then the podcast left to me making my own shows. And then that led to me speaking and that led to me writing some books. And before I knew it, I had this whole like little mini empire and the guys in Australia thought I had, you know, charted it all out and planned it. And to be honest, everything just kind of happened, you know? So, so as a lawyer, I was, I was a happy lawyer. I'm there a lot of lawyers. If you look at the statistics are very unhappy and um, trying to get out of it, but I wasn't necessarily unhappy. I enjoyed the work. I felt like I helped people. Um, but 
at the same time, the Max Sparky thing just started slowly growing. And one day I looked up and realized that Max Sparky was a bigger part of my life than being a lawyer. And I enjoy it more. And, you know, I think, you know, the thing, the way I explain it to people, because I've got a lot of family, they're like, what is wrong with you? You're a lawyer. Why would you stop doing that? You know? And uh, I think the way I explain to people is, you know, sometimes in life, it's time to repot yourself. And um, I just felt like that's where I was. I needed uh, repotting. And I liked Max Sparky and I was not enjoying being a lawyer as much. I, I didn't realize how much I was not enjoying it until I stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, because uh, this just happened two months ago, you know, so I'm two months into this transition, but I'm really having a great time just working full time on the Max Sparky stuff. And uh, man, it's, it's just been quite a ride for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of just winding it back a bit. I, there's been the recent transition, which is something yeah. I'm very yeah. closely watching and enjoying um, back way back when. And, I, and again, I think I left, decided to finally jump ship from the police in 2014. Yeah. Um, you had made some significant transition out of working for somebody else in the legal sense. Yeah. You then worked yeah. yourself. So that was one, that was an earlier transition, wasn't it? Yeah. About the same time. I, Cause I had been working for a firm for 20 some years and that was great. But you know, when you work in the firm, you got to deal with all the politics, you got to go to all the meetings. And I like being a lawyer, but um, I had a, a nice loyal, stable client, uh, client list. And I thought, well, why don't I just do this myself? And um, that way I could carve out more time for developing Max Sparky further. And at the time I had no intention of giving up law. I mean, at some point later, maybe I can tell you how I went about making the final decision to give up law. It was kind of a shocking decision for me, but uh, I didn't really intend to, to quit being a lawyer. I just thought, well, this could give me a little more balance if I cut out all the other nonsense. And I just did the client work and, you know, the Max Sparky stuff and had a little more control over my time. So that was kind of the level one transition. And again, it wasn't with a mind of saying, okay, and then I'm going to give up being a lawyer, but it, it was, I thought it was the end game and it wasn't, um, you know, life is kind of funny that way. Yeah, yeah it is. And I think this is, this is something that's really interesting and I totally resonate because um, I, I left the police twice, <laughs> but okay. the second time around, the first yeah. time I was in that um, Almost, well, I'd bought into that risk-taking entrepreneur kind of image of like, you just do it, jump off, build your wings on the, yeah. on the way down type of thing. Yeah. Problem was, I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea about sales. And I'd forgotten yeah. to pop to the shop to get the materials for the wings, you know, that kind of thing. I yeah, totally I feel like that is a huge mistake. And, and I really, because I talk about it on my podcast and I'm always really hesitant to tell people to encourage people because i'm afraid you know i know you have like kids and you've got obligations and i don't want people to to get themselves in trouble but i think it, you need to be more deliberate if you're planning a change like that yeah. but hey you know live and learn right yeah yeah oh i mean i'm still here but i'm battered and bruised. Yeah. definitely i can I, that was back in oh, 2006 to 2007 the most stressful year of my life and what it taught me was exactly that, that, you know, you do have to protect the downside. You do have to, to get real. And there wasn't the kind of guidance or coaching. Coaching wasn't a big thing over yeah, then. Sure. In it was a new sense. world then. Yeah. So I made a lot of mistakes on the way. But yeah. I like when you were talking about the idea of it, it kind of happened and it evolved and unfolded rather than a definite plan. And I think that's one of the one of the fallacies in the in the world potentially of my world, I guess, self-development coaching that is that you must have a fixed plan. You must have these X goals, et cetera, and work towards them. And I know that works for some people, but for many of us, when we're juggling a lot, that's that, that 
can really cause more strain. And it's very, very risky, like you say, with a mortgage, family, that kind of thing. Yeah. And actually, it's a bit more fun letting it see see how it turns out. <laughs> well, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like, you know, um, one of the things you have to accept is that there is no definite course. But the and which can be scary, but the upside of that means is there is no definite course or definite map. That means you're never really lost. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I do love that like, because that's that's rather than fixing on something, it's that idea of let's see where this goes. That's what the merciless midlifer is about adventure. Just just discover it because if we think back to being a kid, you know, most of us, many of us didn't have a, a fixed plan. We were just bright-eyed yeah. and wide-eyed at the world and wanted to explore this, that, and the other, you know? And yeah. I, one of the things I often talk about is what were the things that you loved as a kid and how did that, how might that play into the the things that you want to do now, you know? And for me, it was always yeah. Star Wars, Space 1999, Star Trek, that kind of thing, that sense of adventure in the unknown. Yeah. So no, I, I, guess, I totally get it, yeah. So in terms of that first transition, you got to a point where it was the right time for you. Is that? Yeah. Was it still a it was bit beyond, of a risk? Honestly, it was beyond the right time. It, right. It, it it worked immediately. And in hindsight, I should have done it like 10 years earlier. But, right. you know, you learn. I, one of the things that I have struggled with with this whole journey is my parents grew up in the U.S. Depression. I mean, they were I, they were older when I was born. So I was like the accident baby later in life, but both of them had a very difficult depression. Um, my mother's family basically was homeless and they found a cabin in the woods in Massachusetts. And my dad lived in Missouri and he had to go out and shoot his dinner. I mean, it was, they, it was a rough time for both of them. And, um, they eventually found each other, they got married, but they just instilled in us as children, you know, don't take risks with your money make sure that you never, um, you know, if you get a good job, do a great, you know, be a great employee and stick with it, you know, don't be so good that they can't, you know, ignore you or whatever. And it it was very risk adverse. And I struggle with that, you know, because that was kind of drilled into me as a child. And even though I'm conscious of it, it's hard for me. And so when I was at the firm, I was a great employee and I was doing a great job for my cases, but the, the risk adversity was getting in the way of me kind of growing, you know? And, um, and I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. I mean, I'm dealing with it right now because I'm about to spend some of my money. I'm going to build a studio onto my house, an extra room, because what I'm doing now really needs it. But the idea of spending that money is terrifying to me because like money in the bank to me is so been drilled into me so much that 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 that's there in case, you know, everything goes kaput. You need that money in case something goes wrong. And it's, it's hard to uh, to spend it <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that was a, a challenge for me, but you know, it's not true for everyone, but I think yeah. you may want to think about that. Would, how did you grow up thinking about risk? If you're, if you're in this place right now? Yeah. I think I can, I don't know if my mom and dad were post-war, post-second yeah. war. Um, yeah. And there was very much about, you need to get the qualification, the secure job, work for the government, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. I didn't. Well, I did, I guess I ended up with the police, but I bimbled into the police because I yeah. didn't really know what I wanted to do. I've always had that sense of restlessness, but yeah. a counter-narrative was always competing. I should be, I should do. And yeah. I think this is something where my, you know, it's about recognizing it's there, but not not dismissing it completely out of hand because that's where yeah. we get into where I was in 2006, 
but recognizing there's value in it. But how do you manage your way through that proportionately? Yeah. So, over the years, because you're talking about that now, any lessons that you've learned um, along those lines? You know, uh, you know. I mean, I think I I've just learned to be to note to note that reaction that I will have about being afraid to take a risk and say, "Oh, wait a second, that is uh, that's that thing again." Oh, there it is. It's like a little monster in my head once in a while. And I have to, oh, there you are. Well, I'm going to put you back in the box because what I'm about to do is good for me. And, um, you know, and, and I think that is, uh, and, and don't get angry with it. Just kind of laugh at it. You know, that little monster is showing up again. Okay. Well, you know, put him back in the cage. He's always getting out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good way, isn't it? To find out way to manage those voices in a constructive yeah. way. So yeah. yeah, I really like that. And it was certainly for me leaving the police. Um, I, to be fair, it was one of those again where I could have gone a bit sooner. <laughs> yeah. Security, the paycheck every month. Mm-hmm. Just meant. Sure. And I wish I you had kids. You know, you have kids. You're worried about. You know, you you want to take care of everybody in your life that you've you know you've taken on to obligate yourself to help. You want to make sure you don't let them down, but. It's your life too. You got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you first moved um, into that working for yourself, I'm going to have to ask how the, how, how you started to manage that because my own experience with businesses uh, in those early years, and, and I know you had Max Sparky sort of there anyway, but yeah. was, I was, there was a temptation to take any work and suddenly you might be working for another yeah. idiot, me, rather than yeah. if you don't no, no, I think that is a huge risk anytime you go out on your own to say yes too many times. Yeah. And I made the mistake too, not as badly because I had, had friends that went through it and I right. tried to be more careful. But um, the big change, challenge for me was kind of getting a new business off the ground at the same time as managing the Max Barking thing. And the Max Barking thing was doing good at that time, but it wasn't as big as it is now. And um and just trying to keep them both going. And like my initial expectation was, oh, this will be great. I can spend half the time being a lawyer, half the time being Max Sparky and get a bunch of production done for Max Sparky. And of course, that's not true. You know, I spent way more time being a lawyer than I expected initially. And it took it took me like a year to wrangle that to where it got more balanced. But even then, it never was entirely balanced. I mean, because when you're a lawyer, people are bringing their big problems. You know, as a business lawyer, so I had all these clients with businesses, and you know, you, you may wake up one day and think you've got a perfect plan put together, but a client has a sudden emergency in their business, and you need to drop everything and help them. And so it was kind of like being a fireman, and uh, it was really hard to focus on my thing, you know, which is kind of what ultimately led me to where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And how did, did, did the, you know, in terms of the emotions, like did you get, did you get frustrated at times? Did you find that, you know, the sort of self doubt or questioning, is this, am I actually ever going to transition? I'm just interested in what emotional journey. Uh, you know, I, uh, I wasn't as aware of it as I probably should have been, but I never really felt angry because I felt like that was the job. If you accept that you're going to be someone's lawyer, you're going to be there for them when they're in a jam. And that just, you know, I spent 30 years doing it. So I understood that. Um, but, um, the, the Max Sparky stuff was doing great, even though I was getting constantly pulled sideways. And, um, and what really did it for me, frankly, was kind of frustration with the overall situation of, I feel like there's a bunch of stuff I want to do as Max Sparky. There's some things I I'm really passionate about technology, productivity, and Apple stuff. And I feel like the technology world has let society down 
They, you know, computers have stopped being something to help you get your work done and turn into something to distract you from what's important. And, but there's, there is a way, and I feel like I can share that. And that's, you know, that's starting to hit me that, you know, I'm in my fifties, how much more, you know, gas do I have in the tank? And do I want to spend my time helping people with their contracts when I've got this thing I need to get out of me that's more important, you know? And then one day I was thinking about like, my dad died at 62. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, eight years away from his expiration date. So it's like memento mori, you know, you, at some point it's going to hit you. And so that, that weighs on me, but really it just, it, it occurred to me, it's like, oh, wait a second, this Max Sparky thing's doing good enough that I could make a living at it. I mean, that's kind of the gateway, right? For a transition is like, can you make a living? I think if you can't, then you got to keep working at it. But so why am I waiting? And when I, uh, when I really asked myself the tough questions, it took me about an hour to decide I wasn't going to be a lawyer anymore. It was shocking how fast the decision came. Yeah. You know? so it was that actual sitting down and thinking about giving yourself space to do that. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, you know, I talk about what I call the manager hat and the maker hat. Yeah. I mean, no matter what your, your job is, there's sometimes where you've got to be the manager and think about, you know, what, what direction to put the boat in there. Sometimes you're the maker and you need to row. And uh, I, uh, I was spending a lot of time rowing, not a lot of time pointing the boat. So actually set aside some time, just, okay, I'm going to really think about this question now. And my intention was, because I have some friends that try to hold me accountable and stuff like this. And they said, you're spending too much time as a lawyer. You should tell it, give us a, give us your plan. How are you going to get out of that? So I thought, well, I'll, I'll get rid of like, a quarter of my clients or a half of my clients. And then I started to realize as I start shaving down the law practice at some point, it doesn't make sense to have it at all because you still have all the expenses of malpractice insurance and rent and all the things you need to run a law practice, but you're cutting down the income you make off of it. And, and more importantly, I just realized, no, wait a second. I really have a message here with Max Sparky. I want to get it out. And uh, that uh, honestly, it's not really about money for me. It's, I mean, I'm probably making, going to make less money. I don't know. Maybe I'll make more. Who knows? I'm early in the transition. But to me, the real thing was, am I making enough I can get by? Yeah. Okay. What am I going to do with my life with the time I have left? And this is the thing I feel like I need to be doing. And that that's what really drove the whole decision. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful um, factor. And I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people where that's the thing that makes yeah. you realize. And even for me, in terms of my tra- current transition out of training and speaking, which is what I'm doing now, into developing these online programs, it's still that those voices of fear. But that is the thing, the question of, come on, what, what's the, the purpose that you want to work to? Yeah. And when are you going to do it if you don't do it now? <laughs> you know? And yeah. I think, yeah. obviously, you've got to factor in the risk, but... That is such a powerful thing. So that consideration is is really important. And one of the things, I, I watched one of your videos in the labs um, where you talked, I think somebody had asked you about following your passion. And it resonated with me when you said it's not it's not about following the passion as much as it is about following purpose. Would you mind just elaborating on that? Yeah, I, that's like a sticky point for me. People talk about passion all the time. And like, and it's like even like the uh, uh, Joseph Campbell story. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, where he talked yeah. about follow your bliss, yeah. you know, and I don't really buy that. I love Joseph Campbell and a lot of things he says. But to me, I feel like the passion shows up after you find your purpose. You don't you, you got to get it in the right order. 
you know? Yeah. And like, I, I feel like I'm on a mission here, you know, um, to, to do something important that I want to get out in the world. And, um, that is not, it's not a, pa- a passion to me feels temporary. It, it, you know, you have a moment of passion, the po- passion passes. I, it needs to be deeper for me. And a sense of purpose is to me like a foundation, whereas a, a passion is like a rainstorm on top of a building. The building doesn't care, you know? Um, so uh, I, I don't think I do a very good of artic- job of articulating. I understand it really depends on semantics and how you define the word passion. But to me, um, passionate is, is nice, but it, it's not going to get you there. I think it has to be a deep sense of purpose if you want to like turn something into something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. I, I often say just in my speaking, it's not my line. I can't remember whose it is, but you know, if you're feeling inspired, don't worry, it'll pass. You know, yeah. the action, yeah. you, you take the action when you don't feel like it, because that's when you start to count. That's where the purpose for me is because you're right. Passion, yeah. passion is an emotion, but you mentioned so good. They can't ignore you. And, and the Cal Newport work, yeah. um, that yeah. particular book ta- takes to task that kind of thing, doesn't it? And I, and I loved his yeah. way of, framing the research around that, you know, you've worked on your craft and mm-hmm. then you find that love of it and that passion, if you want to use that word out of that, yeah. or you already yeah. have it, but you find it more, you know? Yeah, I agree. Another person who's written on this, two other people I would recommend are um, um, uh, Seth Godin. Uh, he has a book, I think called the craft, if I, if memory serves, where he covers that topic. And then also, I, I believe that like um, Ryan holiday and general stoicism in general, I think um, kind of, kind of has that as an underlying theme as well. I mean, it's interesting to me there, there's a lot of people who've thought over the millennia of human existence along the same lines, but uh, we're in this phase now where everybody's all about passion. And I just don't think that is enough. Passion is too passing. I feel like you you can't, you know, I've, I've said enough about it, but I, I do think that if you, if all you think is driving you is passion, then be careful. There's there'd be dragons. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've, I've that was part of the the early part of my journey where I made that mistake, sort of bought into that rhetoric, and have since learned. And I think you're right. The purpose and purpose doesn't have to be a glo- world changing or a put a dent in the world. That can be something yeah. that really motivates any one of us. But it could be just being a great parent, or you know, yes, just putting more absolutely. Um, and I think that's that's where we find what makes it does it for us. And finding yeah. that balance. So for everybody, for those listening, and I do say this, I've had uh, Tara Jang on, who's a TV director and producer, and, and we've talked about the freelancer mindset. Um, and I think one of the challenges there, one of the things I did say was, not everybody's going to leave their job to run a business. It's not for everybody. Yeah. But the things that we can learn from this means we can make those tweaks, perhaps, where we get more fulfillment. We find the things we like about what we're doing already, or we make a change within a career or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Quick update, the Restless Midlifer Academy is now open and I'm also running a series of six-week reshape accelerator programs aimed at getting your health, weight and self-confidence back on track. Head over to restlessmidlifer.com to check out the programs. So you've mentioned your work, Max White. Do you want to just give us a bit of an overview and into what you're doing and how that plays into the productivity side? Yeah, the you know, it's just a 
I have quite a collection of ideas and products, you know? So uh, it started with the blog at maxsparky.com. That's kind of my home on the internet. And I, I write there a lot about general productivity stuff and Apple stuff. And kind of my angle to all this is if you use all this uh, Apple, fancy Apple gear, how can you make it work better for you and, and get your work done? And that, that was kind of the, the genesis of it. And that has spread out over the years. I wrote some books for uh, Wiley Press a few years ago, but then ultimately started doing my own thing. Um, I sort of have what they call the field guides, which are Max Sparky field guides. And it's just in-depth training on different pieces of software or workflow stuff to help you get better at using your technology to get with your, you know, your purpose done. You know, yeah. use technology should be a tool for you. It shouldn't be a, a way to get in the way. I also have some podcasts. The Mac Power Users is the one we talked about earlier, which is about people who use Apple gear and want to be a power user. It's a it's an aspirational name. You know, the idea is you come to the show not being a power user, and hopefully we help you become one. Yeah. And then a nerdier level of that is the automators, where we kind of go even deeper on how to make automation work for you with the things you do, which I think is something a lot of people could benefit from. It's not as hard as it sounds. And then there's another show I have called Focus, which kind of ties into all of this. And my whole, one of my beliefs is that as a society, we are encountering a crisis of focus that when you see, and I know this is the restless midlifer, so I can say this, right? But a lot of young people I know have a real hard time with focus, but it's not just young people, it's middle age and old people too. The um, uh, because the technology has really developed to really want to steal your attention. I mean, the next time you go to the grocery store, look at the people in line to pay for their groceries. They're there for three minutes to wait to pay for their groceries. None of them or almost none of them will be alone with their thoughts. They are all got a piece of glass in front of their face. And I don't know what they're looking at on it. That's so important, you know, but um, we have a uh, we have this thing like it. And it's kind of ironic because I'm a guy who talks about technology and I'm against it in a lot of ways, too. But focus is a, a place where we get to kind of drill down on that. And how do you build that muscle? Because I really believe if you can learn how to focus, that is a superpower that not many other people have. And that can really help propel you, whether you're working for an employer or trying to do your own thing or whatever. And, uh, and so that's another podcast I make. So I have the field guides, the blog and, and the uh, podcasts. I also have a thing called the Max Sparky labs. And for the folks that, um, that would like, and this is something I started when I quit the law, but you know, one, one of the problems with the law was I couldn't share a lot of my behind the scenes workflows because it involved client data. So once I was able to eject that from my life, I could bring, people who are interested in, and that's like a paid for membership. And you get to see behind the scenes, how a bunch of stuff works and more, you get more content from me basically. So um, one of the things you learn as you, as you get into this racket is you need to have different ways to monetize if you're going to stay afloat. So I've got quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the good old multiple sources of income that they talk about, yeah. you know, that it's yeah. passive income. I don't, I've never discovered a passive income yet. <laughs> yeah. You, I work pretty hard for my passive income. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's such a good point though. And the focus podcast as well is a, is a great one. I should have mentioned it right at the start, but um, the, the building the muscle. Um, that's something that I credit Mac power users really opening me up to that world because it was, yeah. Pretty much pre, I don't know if it was pre Facebook, but it was that pre the the explosion and the money into it and the 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 money yeah. was into grabbing your attention. Um, 
But I bought into that because I was working full-time police shifts. When I went back, I was trying to build this business and trying to develop it. And I could see that I needed to create some space because I teach, you know, at that time, and I still incorporate now is about well-being and stress management. So yeah, I'm yeah. not practicing it myself and, you know, I've made my mistakes. But yeah. I'm learning it. And one of the challenges is um, that it can feel overwhelming when you first start this journey, when you look at the tech. So any thoughts, just from your experience of the podcast, any thoughts about somebody, how somebody might start flexing that, that focused muscle if they were looking to just create a bit of space in their life? I think... Um... Why not try not to use your phone at the grocery store? You know, I mean, it, oh, I think on, it's let's, just get, let's stick to the possible stuff. <laughs> it, it's small steps, honestly. Yeah. Like I'll tell you an experience I have. So I'm a avid journaler and meditator. I find the uh, combination of those two things to be very helpful for me because, um, you know, it, it, I, I've never had a professional therapist, but I kind of in my own, in the sense that I spend enough time with my thoughts that I have a better idea what's going on upstairs. And, um, just recently I noticed I hadn't done a journal entry for a week because I have been the last week I have been running around doing things like running from one thing to the next and not stopping and taking stock. And I just did an entry this morning before we got on the microphone together, just noting to myself, it's like, yeah, that's not the life I want to lead. You know, I want, I want to be more intentional when I finish one thing, I want to like wrap it up and kind of close that before I open the next. So, so maybe if you wanted to get started, think about your transitions, you know, um, when you finish one thing and go to the next, are you truly setting one thing down and picking another thing up? Because the only way you can really be in the moment to be focused on what you're doing now is if you stop thinking about what you were doing 10 minutes ago. Um, uh, one of my very first meditation teachers gave me an exercise and I don't know if it's as relevant now because we don't get as many phone calls, but it, he called it the, the telephone meditation. And what he said is anytime the phone rings, ask yourself in the moment that the phone rang, were you thinking about what you were doing? You know, was your mind on the work you were doing or were you trying to do work, but thinking about what was going to be on TV that night or, you know, you know, some conversation you had with an old girlfriend 30 years ago or whatever it is that our brain, you know, does. I mean, Alan Watts called the human brain, the rebellious organ. And I love that term because it is, but, uh, but that, that's a really good way to start. I think is find something that randomly happens in your day and just ask yourself, well, was I being mindful? Was I focused when that happened? And just getting aware of how often you're not. And don't beat yourself up at all. Because I've been thinking about this stuff. I started meditating in the 90s. And I still run into problems. I mean, this is a lifelong journey. You're never going to master it. But if you're aware of it, you're going to get a lot better at it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love that idea. And that, that, that ties into the BJ Fogg work on the Tiny Habits hook the activity that you want to something that's already existing or that happens yeah. in, in a day. I need to read that book. Everybody keeps talking about it. I haven't read that one yeah. yet. I yeah, it's it's a, it's a great book. I do read his work because he talks about the power of small, which is where, you know, I talk about cabbages and sprouts. I won't go into the, the yeah. why. I talk about sweating the sprouts. When you're forming a habit, start yeah. small. You know, don't go straight yeah. to deal with a cabbage. Start small. Yeah. Build a little yeah. habit in there. So I'm absolutely right. I love that idea. One of the things that um, I think just as encouragement is that if you start small like that, and then you find you've stopped a, a week later or whatever, it's very possible that you start to notice that you're not getting the benefit from the activity. It's one of those where sometimes you don't notice the benefit straight away until you drift off the habit again. Yeah, yeah. But, but that is really useful, isn't it? Because that then reinforces it, and it's become something that I, I notice. A bit like you, you know, you have those weeks where you feel like you've just never stopped. 
back yeah. in the day, I would never have questioned. Whereas now I know, right, stop, take 10 minutes out or however long. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to bed last night thinking something feels off. And I realized I had got out of my journaling habit. I've been thinking I was trying to be productive. And, and, and instead, I was not even sure which way north was. So I just needed to get up this morning, get back on the horse. And I think really that's the biggest and easiest mistake to make is to punish yourself or be mad at yourself. If you, if you decide to try something like this, it is hard. The human brain is going to do everything it can to throw hand grenades at you. And uh, the, the goal is not to say, Oh, I'm bad at focus. I'm a bad focus person. I'm terrible. You, know, you just say, Oh, look at that. I went off the, went off the rails again. Well, that's okay. I'm going to get back on and try again. Don't beat yourself up. That's just another way of distracting yourself from focus. It's just another trick that your brain is using to thwart you. Um, yeah. Just, you know, be, be kind on, be kind with yourself and, uh, and just try to find a way to be more aware of this stuff. And you'd be, you'd be shocked. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think you're right. It's, it's the, the judgment is another way for your brain. It's doing what it does. You know, it's doing yeah. what it's done for millennia. And we're just finding those moments to help us go, there you are again. <laughs> let's let's just yeah. have a little bit of me time, whatever it is. So you're I, right, I was yeah. talking to a friend who's going through some struggles right now. And um, I told her, um, and this is something that I hadn't, hadn't ever verbalized before, but it's like, have you ever stopped to think what a blinking liar your brain is? I mean, we think of all the things it says to you about yourself and other people. That's just, it's just not true, you know? And um like objectively, if you stop and think about it. And it is such a strange experience because I think we grow up thinking that inner voice is always telling the truth and it is a liar. And uh, I think if you become aware of it, that makes it a little easier to, to try and maybe laugh it off. Yeah. I think that's such a, that is so true. And it's also realizing that you are not your thoughts and, you know, at one level, if you're really struggling, that can sound a bit glib. You're not your thoughts, yeah. your emotions. They're things that happen, occur, you know, it's that meditation, mindfulness thing. But I think it's really important to recognize that we can challenge them. We can question, we can divert them. We can gently say, thanks. I know you're trying to do me some help. Let's let's move it on a little bit and do what's right for me. Yeah. So you're you're still afraid of saber-toothed tigers. Shut yeah. up and sit down. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I think we're turning your show into the midlife hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mind that a bit. I don't mind that at all. Because one of the things right. I do talk about is the power of reflection. And when people do sort of start to play with it, and that's the playful tone that I like to encourage people to do, it can have some really dramatic effect. Just just quickly, because I'm conscious of time. I know you've got things that you need to be doing. So I really appreciate your time. I'm, I'm yeah, no worries. Here. I'm enjoying this. In terms of your journey, do you, how, how has that evolved? What do you do? Just, you know, any tips on how to get started for somebody? Because I know that people often say, I haven't got time for that. I don't know what to write or I need to write war and peace, you know? And, and yeah, you know, yeah, it's that? hard. I mean, I think uh, mine was really um, grew out of a love and interest of technology. And it's something I started without a sense of monetization. Um, I know when I told a lot of my lawyer friends, that I was leaving the law practice, their reaction in almost every instance was, oh, I wish I would, I wish that was me. I wish I could do that. You know, and and they're all saying, Well, how did you how did you do that? And I said, Well, I think the trick was, I mean, first of all, it was a 15-year journey for me. This didn't happen in a couple of months. I spent years kind of building it and um 
Um, but I think it starts with find something else. And, and honestly, I gave up a lot of evenings and weekends along the way to get there. I mean, there, it's definitely commitment, but it's something that if you're going to do over the long haul, it needs to be something that really ignites you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the reflective practice is to keep tapping. It's an opportunity to tap back into that, even if it's just like what I do is I tend to just revisit, you know, for two minutes, if I've got, if I'm pressed for time here's what I'm, here's where I'm trying to get to. And even that yeah. process means I've drifted off again. That's fine. Let's just recalibrate. Yeah. 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 And you don't know where there is. I mean, honestly, yeah. because like I said earlier, even though you may have a very definite idea where you want to end up, you may end up somewhere else entirely and, um, and be willing to consider those side routes along the way. Don't get so hung up on, your goal that you miss an opportunity that may, may be the new thing, you know? Absolutely. Oh, that's Things do change over time. I'll say that. They do. And, and I think when we set goals, we set them with partial information, don't we? I yeah. don't know the future. And if yeah. nothing else, COVID taught us a lot about that. I remember yeah. this is, this is my conceit in 2020, January, I did a little Facebook group course called make 2020 your year. <laughs> yeah. If you only knew, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but, and it was just, it was a, you know, it was a bit of conceit in the title. Same principles is let's get a direction of travel, but be aware that we, there's a lot we don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like driving in the fog. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. your headlights can only see so far. And sometimes you, it's, it's I, and like, I don't know where this is going to end for me. Honestly, the giving up the law was law would have taken care of me for the rest of my life. I, I could have done that. The clients would have stuck with me. I was set. I, it, I wasn't going to get rich. It wasn't a hugely you know, rich practice, but I was going to be fine uh, by making this change. I've introduced risk into my life because if suddenly people stop listening to the podcast or stop being interested in the stuff I have to say, uh, I don't have a way to make a living, but um, I'm okay with the risk. You know, I think I can do something good here and, yeah. and uh, I don't want to be, um, you know, on uh, laying on a bed one day about to die, wishing that I had done something. So, uh, but it, it really is. Um, I do think that if you're, if you're unhappy, or you feel like you're not following your purpose, you need to give a lot of thought to that. And, but you don't need to change your life tomorrow. It, you know, I think these things, the, the, the changes need to take place over time and, and then, you know, go on this amazing journey. Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. It's probably a good uh, a good place to end because I'm, I'm conscious you do have another meeting to go to. But I mean that that sums it up. It's that restless spirit and honouring it, but also recognising that as midlife, as many of us have responsibilities, have commitments, and we want to fulfil them. You know, we don't. Yeah. Most of us don't want to be irresponsible. So, yeah. any parting thoughts or any calls that you know in terms of what they could check out, um, etc. You've mentioned a few podcasts. We'll put all the show notes and uh, links in the show notes. Um, but anything from your side? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're interested in the stuff I have to share, just go to maxbarkey.com. It's all there. But uh, what I would say is if, if, if I could encourage you to do one action item from this, it would be to uh, do some of that manager time, you know, maybe next weekend or next time you have two or three hours to sit down with a notebook or a computer and just start writing out what's on your thought about what your purpose is and what that means to you and whether you're moving toward it or away from it and just give some thought to it. I mean, that's all. I mean, nobody has the answers for you except you, but yeah. at least you can ask the questions. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes doing that, it's can be a bit difficult to step out of the busyness to actually think that. So a little tip just for me is look at the things you're already good at 
and enjoy, I think is a good thing because in there are clues potentially to get yeah. you started on that process. So that, that's fantastic. Another way I tell people is like, what makes you want to get out of bed in the morning, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then what can you do with that? All right. Well, this yeah. is the hippie midlife. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, well, it's been an absolute privilege. It's been great to meet you and to talk all of these things. I would love to talk more geekery, but uh, we'll keep it in its place for now. But I yeah, think yeah. Okay. There's lots there. We'll check out links, check out all the podcasts, if, particularly if you're in a space for the automation, the, the back power users, the, the, the focused as well. Really, really useful. as well. Awesome. And the Mac feel guy as well. Like I say, you've cost me a bit of money, David. Uh, I'm sorry about that. that. Well, I, I, there's no need to apologize because to be fair, they've all, things like Hazel, Texas, but they've just been mainstays in my my workflows, you know? So thank you yeah. very much. I want to help everybody get what they, I want to help everybody do what they want to do and uh, yeah. and get this technology stuff out of the way, help yeah. them uh, turn it. But either way, uh, thank you so much, David. I really have enjoyed this. All right, Brilliant. bye-bye. Great, thanks. Cheers. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links, and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier and more meaningful midlife. Gory Adventure.